Rimrock Church on this beautiful Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I'm David Carpenter, one of the elders here at uh, Rimrock, and I wonder if we can give a little recognition to those who are happy to be uh, mothers now, those who hope to be mothers soon, and those moms who will always be an inspiration to us. Let's give them a little, a little round of applause, please. Thank you very much. In your bulletin is a blue insert which uh, talks about Vacation Bible School, which is coming June 27th through the 30th. So we're searching for volunteers to help uh, uh, with the, uh, the teaching, uh, kids to attend, and we ask that you uh, take a look at that and, uh, and pray about uh, uh, volunteering for that or working at VBS. There's also a bulletin or a, a table out in the foyer, I believe. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew 6, 6 through 13, if you'd like to follow along. But when we get down to the Lord's Prayer, I'd like for you to uh, recite the Lord's Prayer with me. So Matthew 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Join me. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Bow our heads. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity of prayer. We also thank you for the, those mothers who prayed for us and blessed us in their faithfulness to you. Bless them and lift, us, lift them up on this day for a celebration of mothers. Please take this time and speak to us through your servant, Pastor Steve. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> there we go. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all of you who have ever had a mother. <laughs> Got to think about it for a while, but that would probably be all of you, okay? Uh, hey, you know, uh, I was just sharing earlier, and my mom was here. My mom has Alzheimer's disease. And so we've been kind of walking through that process over the last several years. And, and, uh, and so I have this special prayer for my father and, and also for all the caregivers uh, who take care of, of people. And I think so much of mothers as caregivers. And so it's a sweet way to just pray and remember uh, all those who take care of others uh, in their times of need. Um, the other day, though, I left the store with my mom. And it was just her and I. And... And uh, we kind of got to the, to the curb on the street, and I, and I grabbed her hand um, before she wouldn't walk out into the traffic. And so I'm holding her hand, and we're kind of walking across the street to get to the parking lot. And, and she says to me, you know, Steve, um, it, it wasn't that many years ago that I would grab your hand so you wouldn't run out in front of the cars. And, and I thought, that was so sweet that, that that was a memory of hers. And for me, and I thought, that's been... 50 
some years ago. Uh, but it's been a long time. And, uh, but what's amazing to me is today as we continue our conversation about prayer, and when you think about like your conversation between you and God, this, this one true God, this, 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 this oh, infinite, amazing God, as we consider him, I, I really want to kind of use that analogy today and, and just think about your days as crossing the streets, okay? And realize that you and I are always toddlers compared to Almighty God. Every single one of us is. And so God is with you, um, and, and when you trust him, the, the question gets to be is like, when are you going to reach out to him? When are you going to reach out to him? When are you going to take his hand? When are you going to surrender to him? Uh, the Christian life is kind of about like uh, uh, stopping on the curb and, and just stopping for a few minutes and asking God to kind of carry you through your day. Uh, and then as the day goes on and you're walking through the street, it's like carrying on this conversation with you as he walks you through the traffic. And you get to the end, to the other side, and it's like this conversation continues. And I know that so often we just kind of race out right in front, and we kind of spend our time dodging cars, hoping we don't get smoked. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden when we get scared enough, or we get hit, or we get hurt, then all of a sudden we ask him to bless us and help us and carry us on and get us across the road. And we think, wow, when I get to the other side, God, I'll stop, and I'll remember you, and I'll thank you. And um, we've seldom slowed down enough to just acknowledge God. And so the days kind of grind on, and they turn into years, and you look up, and it's been 10 years or 20 or 50 years. And um, you go home to heaven, and it's like this continuation of a relationship with our Father. And I think the thing that I really want us to stop and think about today is, is how well do you know him? Uh, because I just ache to know him. Every day I just want to know more and more of this infinite God, and I ache for you to know him. And so, Father, we come to you this morning, and I really come, as you know, uh, with nothing to offer. And, and yet I just surrender this time to you, and I pray, God, that you would speak, and that you would be glorified, and that you would be lifted on high, and that your name would be exalted and that you would move in each person's heart for your sake, for Christ's sake, for your glory. And I pray that in Jesus' name, freely. As you said, we can. And we just thank you for that. Amen. You know, last week, Bill talked about praying in Jesus' name, <clears throat> which doesn't mean, um, and, you know, what it doesn't mean and what it does mean. And so today, I just kind of desire to just give us really a practical way to pray. And, and you'll see it's really not my idea, so that's kind of freeing. Uh, doesn't have anything to do with me, which is cool. But as Bill pointed out, you know, we can easily think when we pray in Jesus' name, that simply means to just pray, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end. And, and, and we just think we got it nailed then, right? And, and so the, the, the idea is just to be careful, okay? Not scared, but just thoughtful about that. Because you can pray your selfish prayers for your glory and throw, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end, and think, aha, I'm going to get that one. Right? I said the right phrase. The Bible says, if I ask anything in Jesus' name, he will do it. That's what the Bible says. And, and then when you don't get what you want, you think somehow prayer doesn't work. Or God can't do it. Or he doesn't hear. Or it isn't worth it. And that's really what our enemy desires, is that we just quit praying. Right? That we just rely on ourselves. But we need God so desperately, we're in the midst of the traffic, and so we call back out to him. We try it again. And we try and beg for what we want. And we don't get what we want, even if we put, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end. 
and it very much frustrates us and so we just struggle with this whole area of prayer and and, and just like you have to learn though the laws of the physical world in which we live you learn about gravity right you set a rock uphill it'll probably roll back down on you you know you are on an airplane and the law of aerodynamics overcomes gravity for a moment but when you step out of the plane in midair you'll find out that gravity is still in force and you only realize it is for a limited amount of time before you <laughs> crash but you'll realize that gravity's still in play right the laws of the physical world you learn that you touch a hot stove it'll burn you learn you stick your hand in fire and it will burn you okay you learn that fire can cause great destruction but you also learn that it can be used for good it can be used for heat it can be used for cooking it can be used for warmth and so you kind of learn these laws we all learn these laws of the physical world it's like we learn as toddlers how to hold on to our mom and dad's hand instead of just running out in front of traffic and you learn to function that way and we learn to abide by the physical laws of our world and so you and I need to learn the laws of the spiritual world as well God is spirit we have to worship him in spirit and in truth and the spiritual is just as real as the physical we are living in a spiritual world it's so real but we spend most of our time just stuck on the physical on what we see on what we can control and in the spiritual world Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority he's the ultimate authority he was given that authority by his father Yahweh God Jesus sent uh, his Holy Spirit to be with us now and so the physical world we live in that we see is currently under the authority of Satan of course Satan has no power over God Satan's just a created being so he has no power over Christ in me or Christ in any one of you as believers he has no power over the Holy Spirit but we live in this fallen sin-filled world and believers we live behind enemy lines we need to realize that okay know that that's our situation when we look at this physical world but it will change it will change. We know how the war ends. We know Jesus Christ will come again. We know that he will reign on the earth. We know that believers will reign under him and with him. You see, it's all over. It's been decided, the outcome. And it's almost like we're just kind of waiting for the clock to run out in the game. But to win the battles as we wait in this physical world, we need to win in the spiritual world. The place where Jesus Christ has all power. And, and, and his power is also over the physical world, but we need to learn to do his life his way instead of our way. So what I'm trying to say is we need to learn to fight in his name. In his name. So when you think about him praying in Jesus' name, it's like, would Jesus approve of this prayer? Is it something that Christ has authorized? Is it for his glory? Is it for his sake, for Christ's sake? Then it will be done period. All right? If he approves it, if it's authorized by him, if it's for his glory, if it's his, his sake, it will be done. Now that sounds kind of complicated and we start getting confused, but you'll see as we tie our prayers back to the word of God, this becomes very, very freeing. And it's like if I were to go down to the bank, write a check to me, and sign it with my name from my account for a million dollars, and I go to the teller and I say, I would like you to cash this, please. Okay? And what do they say? <laughs> exactly. They, you know, they just think you're crazy, right? They just kind of smile and nod. And if you don't leave, they'll call security. Um, I'm guessing. Not that that's happened to me yet, but I'm guessing. <laughs> but 
and, and, you know, that's kind of how it goes, right? Because I'm asking in my name, and if someone, though, wrote a check out to me, and they signed it in their name, and they had that money in the account, and I went to the bank and cashed it in their name, they would give me the cash. Now, I can't sign it, their name, I can't forge their name, and yet that's often how we pray, right? You ask for what you want, you ask for your perceived good, for your glory, from your perspective, and you might as well just add on the end your name. You might as well just put on the end, in Steve's name I pray. Okay? Just put it on there. Be honest with God. <laughs> in my name I'm praying, God. I'm asking for my glory, for my sake, because I have the authority to ask. Okay? And that's how we pray. And then we get very frustrated when we don't figure out, when we can't figure out why our prayers aren't answered. Okay? But of course, we've already tried to do everything in our own name. That's why we're praying. Because most of the time, we get to the end of ourselves and say, my way doesn't work. The way I'm doing it isn't, isn't helping. The situation's not improving. I need you, God. We've already tried our name. Okay? We've tried to pull everything else on our own resources. So I'm just saying, let's just stop. And, and, and God already knows. And quit trying to deceive him. And just relax. <clears throat> and, and come in his name. Now, I'm not saying don't pray about everything, because we're told to pray about everything. So pray about everything you want, everything you want. Just don't add, in Jesus' name, I'm, amen, unless it's something that, that he has really authorized. It's for Christ's sake, okay? Now, most people pray. <clears throat> most people pray. And, 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 and what I want us to really think about, though, is this attitude as we come before our God and, and realize that, that our prayers are connected to, really, this heart attitude, and it's all connected to the Word of God. You know, if you want to pray the Word of God, you can know that you're praying in Jesus' name. You know, it's God's Word. And you're praying for Christ's sake. So if you just look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, where, where uh, Carp read Matthew chapter 6, and it's famously known as, as the Lord's Prayer. But, uh, but really, in verse 6, he says, When you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who is in secret, who sees in secret, will repay you. Now, the inner room was the room, the room in the middle of the house that usually didn't have any windows. It was for storage. It's where we get kind of our term, the prayer closet. And there's places in Scripture where there's public prayer. So I'm not saying there isn't places to have public prayer. But today I just want you to really think about you and your God. Okay, you and Almighty God. You and the, the, the Creator God. And this is your conversation with Him. Just you and him. When was your last one? When was your last one? You see, in a conversation, we're speaking, but we're also listening. And you kind of need some silence. And he'll speak through his word. Uh, he'll speak through his word. He also speaks through the living word. He speaks through his spirit through our circumstances through people but if we meditate on his word and think about his word it leads us naturally into prayer but you must also listen so realize this god is always speaking it's just that we have so much noise in our lives that we're deaf to his voice kind of like the picture of dodging traffic okay we're afraid we're going to get hit by the bus and we're so worried about being in the middle of the road uh, that we we can't hear his voice now, when Christ walked on the earth, he showed us how to depend on his Father, and he spent time alone with his Father. So all the days that he was walking along, as busy as he was busy, he was still always listening to his Father. He was always dependent on his Father. He's always hear his Father. That's how we can walk this life out. Uh, we can hear, even in the midst of heavy traffic, 
when we're surrendered to him. Now, this is not about a method of prayer. This is not about a system of prayer. This is not about a certain words that you have to say right in prayer. This is about an attitude of prayer. You come with humility. It's like reaching out to take our Father's hand and we're trusting him and we're thanking him and we're declaring really in prayer that we are dependent on God. You're choosing to surrender to him when you pray. See, it's the attitude, not the form. Jesus isn't, when his disciple asks, how do we pray? He didn't give them, say these words, right? He gave them a, a, a whole attitude, a whole kind of a way to pray. And, and it wasn't about particular words. Use your own words. God looks at your heart. Every thought that you have is already in his presence. So you can trust him with your prayers. He already knows. There's no big secrets. And, and, and I just want to say this before we really start looking at this prayer, that it's a challenge, because I see this so often, is, is I just challenge you to quit trying to get God to be good to you. Okay? And maybe some of you never do. But I think most of us always are trying to get God to be good to us. Okay? Just quit trying to get God to be good to you. And the reason why is because he is always good. Always. Agathos. He is completely good. He is pure good. He is goodness through and through. He is always, always, always good. Okay? So quit thinking that he's going to be good to you only if you say the right prayer in the right way with the right words at the right time. If you only have more faith, if you only live a holier life, if you could only do this and this and this, then God will be good to you. He's always good. Always. Okay? So if you don't know how to pray, you go into this room, you look into the Word. Matthew 6, chapter 8 says, uh, or 6, chapter 6, verse 8 says, don't be like the, the Gentiles who use this meaningless repetition, right? Because your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So if you don't even know how to pray, just ask Jesus, what do you want me to pray for? All right, He'll tell you if you have a need. And even if you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, Paul tells us. So this has really a simple message. It has two simple points. And, and, and the idea is just a way for us to pray in Jesus' name, okay? And the idea is not mine. It's from Jesus, okay? It's his words. So the very first thing I want us to think of when we come to prayer is think about the eternal, okay? Think about the eternal. Um, you might just think about worship, okay? Think about the eternal. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, it says this, Pray then in this way, Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now many of you have said that a thousands and thousands of times. Thousands and thousands of times, okay? And so today, I just want us to say it one more time in our heart, and hopefully it's a, with a different perspective, okay? Now it's not say, say this prayer over and over and over, but pray like this. Admit it, most of the time when you start your your prayer, you kind of start with requests, right? You start with informing God what God needs to do, okay? And you just want to make sure he knows, just in case he doesn't know, that you got this issue that he hasn't fixed, and you want it fixed, right? And you kind of then plead with God to fix it if you won't fix it. You want it fixed, and so we plead before God, and we want to change God because he sure messed up this area of my life, and just look around this world, and you can see all the other things he screwed up. And so you really come before God, and you want to change him. Okay, well, there's nothing to change in perfect, holy, amazing God, okay? Nothing to change. And, and so I challenge you to begin in a different place and begin with the eternal. Look to Almighty God. Look to him. You know that he cares. You know that he's good. You know that he's moving. You know that God says, I've got this. And so I just beg you to change and get his perspective in trying to convince him of yours, 
instead of trying to convince him of your perspective, right? And, and so just stop, if you will, before you get into the traffic of the day and just ask him to lead. And he wants you just to know, to be still and know that I'm God. Ah. And so he begins this way, and he says, Our Father. Our Father. Now, you're not coming to uh, just the Father who created you. Okay, that's not really what this prayer is about. But this is to the Father who adopted you. Okay, he chose you to be his son and his daughter. He chose you. And, and it happened through your near birth when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. All of a sudden, you become part of this family. In the entire history of Judaism, in, in, in all the writings of the Old Testament and all these other writings, there's not a single reference of a Jewish person addressing God directly in the first person as Father until Jesus Christ. And he said, Abba. He said, Daddy, Papa. That's how he came before this holy, amazing God, my Daddy. And of course, the Jews, they hated him for that, right? They hated that he had this so-called intimate relationship with Almighty God. They wouldn't even write down God's name. They would just put the consonants, Y-H-W-H, because he was such a holy God. And yet Jesus came as his Papa, as his Father, as his Daddy. And you know what? He teaches us as believers to come the same way. In Romans 8, we're told we're children. We're heirs of God. We're co-heirs with Christ. Uh, Eugene Peterson writes it this way of Romans 8. He says in this, The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectorant. It's greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? Can you imagine starting your day that way? What's next, Papa? Can you imagine going through your day that way? What's next, Papa? You see, God's Spirit touches our spirit. He confirms who we really are. We know who He is. We know who we are, Father and children. And we know we're going to get what is coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. And so we go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, we will certainly go through the good times with Him. See, that's the beauty of being adopted by the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You're his child. And in the Roman society, in the Greek families, an adoption meant several things, but it meant you lost all ties to your old family. And you gain all the ties from your new family. So guess what? If you're a Christian, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. That's what God says. You're a saint. Just accept it. That's who you are. You become co-heirs with the natural children. You're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Your past is completely forgiven. All your legal debts are canceled. Every sin you've ever committed or ever will committed is forgiven because of Jesus Christ. You become a legal child that cannot be unadopted. You are totally secure in Christ because of what he's done. And catch this, John Calvin said this. He wrote that to call God Father is to pray in Jesus' name. You see that? If we're actually coming to our Father and the reason we're coming and calling him our father is because we realize it's just by grace that we've been adopted, that we're his children, that he is our Abba, he is our Papa, by grace through Jesus Christ. You see the beauty of this prayer? Oh, my father. It's incredible. I get to call the creator God, the one who is infinite over all, the one who just by his word spoke in all the galaxies, the one who is above time, the one who is totally self-existent. He doesn't need anyone or anything for any reason. And we get to come to him as Papa because of Jesus Christ. That's coming in Jesus' name. That's the beauty of this prayer. Ah, we could stop there and just go home. <laughs>
our Father, who art in heaven. And he goes on and he says, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. He's saying your name is holy. And one of the, the Greek uh, meanings of that word holy is, is awful thing. Yeah. Awful thing. Think about that. Full of awe. God is awe-filled. Okay? God is awesome. He is this awe-filled and he's this devouring fire and every encounter with people that had with the presence of God they were on their face man they were covering their faces they were just blinded with awe Isaiah's like I am undone I'm a man of unclean lips among them people of unclean lips like who am I just awestruck by how awesome God is he's this this holy God this awful God and heaven is holy and his presence is holy his throne is holy and we come to praise him Martin Luther really paraphrased it and said our ingratitude fails to honor his name and we hollow his name when we're captured by him. I love that. We're captured by our Father. We hollow his name. And I'm telling you, one day everyone will be captured by him. You know, as Marcia goes to prayer, she uses uh, these, this, this whole sense of just praying some of the attributes of God from the alphabet and just thinking of attributes from the alphabet and she wrote some of these down as she shares them and so but just think about coming to God like our father we come because of Jesus Christ that we're your sons and then he, she goes on and it's like God you're you're amazing you're beautiful you're the branch you're the bread of life you're Christ our Lord you're the creator God you're our comforter you're our counselor you're the consuming fire you're the father to the fatherless you're our friend you're a good good father you're gentle you're a good shepherd you're a gentle whisper. You are holiness. You are a holy one. You are a hiding place. You are the image of God. You are the intercessor. You are the king of kings. You are the king of glory. You are the Lord God Almighty. You are the living stone. You are life. You are master. You're merciful. You're mighty God. You're Messiah. You're omnipotent. You're all-powerful. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere. You're omniscient. You all know everything. You're our Passover our lamb. You're the power of God. You're the prince of peace. You're the redeemer. You're the rock. You're the refuge. You're the savior. Your strength. Your truth. You're the vine. Your wisdom. You're wonderful. You're the word. And we come before God like that, and you just say, "Amen." Amen. What an amazing, amazing God we have. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. We praise Him. We praise Him. You start your prayer like that in a day, it changes your life. It changes your life. And then you go on and you think, your kingdom come, your will be done. Augustine said it this way, that God is reigning now, but just as light is absent to those who refuse to open their eyes, it's possible to refuse God's rule. But it will not always be so. You see, every knee will bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Take every religion you want, you're going to throw it all together, and guess what? Everyone's going to be bowing before this King, before this Lord, Jesus Christ. His kingdom is where he reigns. Currently, he reigns in heaven. Currently, he reigns amongst the believers in their hearts and in their spirits, and ultimately, he will reign over all. And he has chosen to advance his kingdom. And this is really cool. Just think about this. Thy kingdom come. He's chosen to advance his kingdom, which will advance, and ultimately he will reign over everything. 
And he's chosen not to do it by the power of the sword. He's chosen not to do it by nuclear weapons or the power of armies. He's chosen not to do it by the power of governments. He's chosen not even to do it by the power that he displayed through Moses, like where we just split the pactola as we're walking out there just to show how great God is, right? Or not to do it like he did through Joshua where the walls just come down or through Elijah where fire came down or where rain came down. But you know how Jesus thought it was best to advance the kingdom of God? Through you. <laughs> through you. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Sorry, I think it's crazy. <laughs> but that's what he chose. He chose to advance his kingdom through you. And it comes through grace and love and this freedom that comes as we surrender to him and allow the fruit of the Spirit to live through us. This is not passive. We enter into this war, this war and this action. We enter into it through prayer. Prayer is the chief work. And the ministry that we get to do is just the fruit of that work. So your kingdom come, God. Use us to advance your kingdom. Use us to share your grace and your truth and your love. Your will be done. And this really is the crux point of prayer. If you want to pray in Jesus' name, your will be done. We're praying for Christ's sake, not for my sake. Not for your sake, for Christ's sake. And if you think about your prayer life, so often you will find yourself that's praying for what you think is best for yourself or best for others. And so, of course, we often allow sympathy to get in there or pride to get in there, and, and that kind of dictates our prayers, right, to God. Uh, because we think we know what's best, so this is how we pray. And we decide what's best for us, and we decide what's best for others in their situation, and then we beg God to fix it. And so instead of trusting that he is good and allowing that he knows what's best, we want to fix it because we know what's best. And, and there's all kinds of examples, but I think even specifically for me with cancer, you know, here, here's my faith. God could heal the cancer in my body before I leave this stage in a heartbeat. It's no big deal to God. It's zero stress to him. And that's my faith. I need no more faith. I totally believe that. I have absolutely no doubt he can do that. But you know what? That might not be for his glory. That might not be for his sake. And maybe him taking me home to heaven is what brings him the most glory. And so the beautiful thing about prayer and the freedom of prayer is just to say, God, your will be done. Whatever your will looks like, I just want to walk with you on this and just use me for your glory, however that looks. And we can all pray those things. We can pray those things for our friends and for our loved ones. You see, prayer gets us really to what God desires and what will bring him glory instead of what I desire. And God hears and he responds and somehow he kind of weaves all these requests we have and all these desires we have into his plan on earth and he's God. And so when we come, thy will be done, we're just declaring, ah, we trust you, God. We trust you're a good, good father. And as we surrender our will to his will, we receive his peace and not, I got this God, but I trust that you have this God. And, and we're just simply like reaching out to take his hand and, and walking with him and saying, you lead, I'll follow. I'm going to trust your plan today, Father. And your prayer becomes, Father, use me. Use me to show your glory. Use me to show your love. Use me to show your grace. Use me to show your forgiveness, to show your holiness, your power, your peace to others. That's the eternal focus of prayer. And it changes everything in prayer. So if you begin your prayers that way, huh, it changes your life. And all of a sudden, the things that you're so terrified about in the middle of the street become like, 
they're really no big issues to God. And there's like this incredible freedom and peace as we walk through our days. But you know, Jesus doesn't end there. He kind of moves right into the everyday stuff. So we have the eternal things, this incredible worship of God. And then he allows us to move into the everyday stuff. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts if we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Daily bread. We come trusting you, Father. We just, we just realized how awesome you are, so we're not telling you what we need or what to do because you already know what we need to do. And, and we almost kind of paraphrase the Proverbs, uh, writer of Proverbs in chapter 30 of Proverbs. is like, you know, I trust you to, to, to really give me enough to live on. Not too much, not too little. Too much, what happens? I become prideful. I think who needs God? Too little, man, I might steal and dishonor your name. But basically what he's saying, it, it, you're, you're, you're saying, Father, give me what I need today. Uh, today and it takes all the worry out of the future because I have today and it allows us to stay in our day I'm going to trust that you're going to provide for our days to come as they come but father give us what we need today our daily bread and Martin Luther even kind of viewed this as what we would call our social justice part of prayer because he, he said give us our daily bread so it's like father we trust that you'll meet our needs as well as all the other people's needs and help us to share our excess and to treat the poor well and to share with them and that's the beauty of just coming in, our, in his name for our daily bread. Give us what we need today, Daddy. Just what we need today, Papa. And, and then he goes into this, this, this whole sense of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those who are our debtors. And there, there's like a, a practical aspect to it, but there's also this really spiritual aspect to it. And we're kind of moving into relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others. It's like now we're in the middle of the street. In the middle of the day, we need kind of our daily bread, our daily sustenance, and we're in the middle of the street, and the reality of the day-to-day -day on this fallen planet kind of hits us, and all of a sudden we sin, and we screw up, and, and we're sinned against, and it's like if we're not hit by the oncoming truck uh, that, that just kind of mows us over for a while, or if we're not, just we're splashed through the mud puddles, right? And we're filthy. It's like we're dodging cars all the time, okay? And this is how you can do it. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's a spiritual principle that, that, that just changes your whole physical world. Forgiveness. And the very first thing I really want us to catch is that only God can forgive sin. That's really, it's really funny. Right at the end of this prayer, the next thing Jesus says in verse 14 in, our, in a Bible, but the way he says it, what he was talking is, is if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. And you know how many times people have pulled that verse out and just freaked out over those verses, right? God's not going to forgive me for my sin. I don't know if I've forgiven everybody. I don't know if he's going to forgive me for our sin, my sin. You see, here's the deal. What he's teaching them, he's teaching the disciples, what he's teaching the Pharisees at this time, what he's teaching them is that only God can forgive sin. And they knew that's what he was saying. That kind of freaked them out in and of itself. If you just go over Matthew chapter 9, the next, you know, section in his life really all of a sudden they bring this guy who's paralyzed to him and Jesus says to him take courage my son your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven can you imagine that they bring the paralyzed guy before Jesus he says your sins are forgiven okay and, and you know what they said this guy blasphemies okay what they're saying is he's claiming to be God because only God can forgive sin right and, and, and that freaked him out. And you know what Jesus said? <laughs> Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or 
get up and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, take your bed and get up and walk. You see what God's saying? It's like, guess what? You're right. Only God can forgive sin, and I'm here. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying. I'm here. I have the power to forgive sin. This getting up and walk is a trivial thing compared to my power to forgive sin. And they got it. They freaked him out because he claimed to be God, and only God could forgive sin. But what's amazing is, as you go after the cross, after he dies, after he raised from the gap, after he says, it is finished, you go to Colossians chapter 2, and in, in verse 14, he says, he's canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken them out of the way. He's nailed them all to the cross. It's like you list every sin you've ever committed, and it can just be stamped paid in full because of what Jesus Christ has done. See, realize that, believers, as you come to your Father because of Jesus Christ, your Papa, your Daddy, this all-powerful God, and you're asking for His kingdom to come and His will to be done, and you're asking to meet His daily death, realize you're forgiven for every sin you've ever committed. And, and, and so He's just simply saying, look, confess to me the things that you haven't confessed to me. Admit their sins. You know why? So you can receive the grace that's there for you. I've already died for them. Will you just admit it to me and you'll be free and you'll be set free and you'll experience this incredible grace I have for you. But also realize that the person who sinned against you, Christ died for their sin as well. And, and you know who they are, right? Oh, come on, you know who they are. Um, you know, they don't deserve for him to die for their sin after what they did to you, right? You know who they are. We all have them in our lives. There's certain people that just don't deserve that in our minds. But he died once for all. And whether they accepted his gift of grace or not, you can choose to extend his forgiveness to them, and it sets you free. It sets you free. You're not God. Only God forgives sin. And vengeance is God as well, so you can leave that to him. But it sets you free as you forgive. That's where Paul wrote in Colossians. So those of you who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience. Bear with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. That's what we have the privilege of doing, is receiving the forgiveness that we have at the cross because of Jesus Christ and extending that to others, and we are able to live in incredible freedom each and every day. It's like, remind me of what you've done for me, God, and use me to extend your love and your grace and your forgiveness to those who you bring into my life today. And then he goes on. And he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now realize, God doesn't ever tempt anyone with evil. Just James chapter 1, if you want to read about it, among other places. God doesn't cause you to sin. He protects us from our flesh patterns and from the evil one when we surrender to him. And, and realize, he tests us because he's preparing you to reign with him as he comes back and, and takes over physical, this physical kingdom as well as the spiritual kingdom. He's preparing you. And that requires us to learn to depend on him and to trust him in all situations. He's walking you through this oncoming traffic and this, this, 
the struggles of this world. So just call upon him. Call out to him to help you in your, your struggles and in your problems. And he ends back with this worship. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Once again, we're just praising God for who he is and we're surrendering to him. And it's his power that brings about the victory. The reason we live is for Almighty God and not for ourselves. We're asking for him to get the glory. And we say at the end, amen. So be it. Let it be done. You see the beauty of it? The beauty of this prayer is not exactly saying the words the way the words are laid out. The beauty of this prayer is coming before our Father with worship, knowing who he is, knowing who we are because of what Christ has done. The beauty of this prayer is being able to confess and to be free and to accept the forgiveness he has. The beauty of this prayer is, uh, is to pray for others who have needs and to be able to share his love and be able to see his kingdom advance through us. It's an amazing opportunity to be forgiven. And yeah, there's eternal, there's worship, there's, there's spiritual, there's incredible, but there's also everyday stuff, just living out life. And so, Father, I pray that we, as your church, would just live out Christ in us. That we would start our days in worship of you and of praise of you and of thanksgiving for you. That we would live out our days in dependence on you and conversation with you and we would listen to you. That we would just relish in how much you've forgiven us and allow us to extend that to others. That we just thank you for meeting our needs. We thank you for blessing us beyond what we can imagine. We thank you for delivering us from all the evil on this world. And you are overall, and we just want to honor you and praise you. Let it be so. Let it be so. And may your name be lifted on high, and may we live for Christ's sake. And it's in his precious name that we want to live. Amen. Thanks, guys. to temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen 
you're dismissed. <laughs>